Welcome to the Nonprofit Power Hour with Jamila podcast. I'm so excited that you're on this new journey with me. Get ready to hear from grassroots founders as they share their startup stories of impact. And if anyone knows me, you know I love a good story. You'll meet my clients, other nonprofit founders, and hear from industry experts as they provide guidance and strategies to help you navigate this nonprofit space. I will provide training in some of the episodes as well. So come on in and invite a few friends. You never know, you may be my next guest. Hey there, do-gooders. Welcome to another episode of the Nonprofit Power Hour with Jamila. I am so excited to be chatting with my guest today, Valerie Matthews. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm excited. We talked about this for a little while, but here we are. We finally made it happen. Finally! (laughs) All right. So introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, your organization, your vision. Tell Tell the people who you are and so we can learn a little bit more about you. Okay, uh, so my name is Valerie Matthews. I am from Baltimore, Maryland, born and raised in Baltimore from Park Heights. I am a executive director, found, co-founder of a nonprofit organization called Catherine's Family and Youth Services located in Baltimore City. And I'm also a licensed consultant through uh, Standards, Standards for Excellence and Maryland Nonprofits. And um, our mission for Catherine's Family and Youth Services is to help improve the quality of life for residents living in the Northwest Baltimore City community and the surrounding areas. Uh, We are dedicated to serving the low, very low to moderate income families, the LGBT community, the seniors, the youth. Um, And with COVID, we've kind of just been helping whoever has been in need. Um, Our tagline is Catherine's door is always open. So I think that the tagline has kind of, uh, the notion is definitely associated with the tagline for sure, um, because we have truly been able to help so many people of all walks of life, um, ethnicities, uh, all ages. We, we help whoever is in need. So um, we offer free after school programs, summer programs, uh, we do community outreach. Um, we support education reform, whatever problem there is that's happening in our community, we try to be a part of the solution. Excellent. And yes, your doors have been open. Um, I follow you on social media. So if it's not food or diapers or, or, or something, you all are serving and showing up in this time when families really, really, really need it. Thank um, you. Can you tell us how long you have been in service? Oh, so next week, on March 15th, we will actually be six years old. So, oh, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, it's so exciting. It's been six years. Um, and my sister and I, we started the organization in honor of our grandmother, Catherine Matthews, hence the name Catherine's Family and Youth Services. Uh, she was a huge uh, community advocate for homeless and battered women in Baltimore City. And she spent over 20 years um, just helping women rebuild, restart, um, you know, teaching them how to sustain themselves after divorces and after, you know, domestic disputes. And she will always have these women and their children and their families in and out of our home. They would spend a night, she would cook. She always cooked the big Sunday dinner. You know, she would give the clothes off her back to anybody. And that's the, the dynamic that we've created with Catherine's Family and Youth Services. Excellent. So how did 
how did the organization come about for you and your sister to get started? I know it's homegrown because you just shared that. But yeah. what, what was your moment or both of your moments to say, you know what, it's time for us to do this? So we both had, we grew up in Baltimore City. We went to Baltimore City Public Schools. Um, but when I was about 12 years old, my mom moved us to Baltimore County. So I had the opportunity to go to Baltimore County Public Schools. Um, and then from there, I went off to college. My sisters um, and my brother, we all had the opportunity to go off to college. And there is kind of where I noticed um, that I didn't want to be a nurse. That was number one. I didn't want to be a nurse. And I was enjoying um, public policy. I was enjoying advocacy. I was enjoying mentorship. I was enjoying everything that was happening outside of the classroom doors <laughs> more than what was happening in my classroom. And I started getting, I started doing all this community service and my sister was doing the same thing. She was really big in public health field. She was doing a lot of outreach with the LGBT community. She was on, on the ground doing um, late night street walking, getting folks off the corners. And um, she was doing it. We were both doing a lot of things that wind up just connecting the dots. Um, so after college, uh, we came back to the neighborhood and we kind of realized that the neighborhood that we grew up in wasn't the neighborhood that that we, you know, that helped raise us and shape us into the women that we are today. And we went to a dinner party one day and we had an opportunity to meet a consultant. We didn't know he was a consultant. Everybody just sitting at the dinner table, you know, just kind of chatting about, oh, where do you see yourself in the next five years? What are some things you want to do? Just one of those conversations. And my sister shared that something that she wanted to do was to start like a clothing bank um, and have showers and stuff for the homeless. And, and the consultant, he says, well, that's a really good idea. He said, if you guys really want to do that, come, in, come and talk to me. And then she calls me after like, oh my God, this guy said that he's going to help us. And I'm like, help us do what? I said, help us do what? We didn't say we were going to do anything. Help us do what? What is going on here? And he's, he's like, you know, let's sit down, let's talk. You guys have some really good ideas. And it's literally happened at the dinner table. And um, we really had to sit down and we did an observation of the community that we grew up in. We literally went knocking on everybody's door in a block that we grew up in, asking what were some of the needs in the community. And everybody knew us. Everybody remembered my grandmother. They remembered our family. They knew that we came from, you know, a good, a good home and somebody that had a good heart. And we were like, okay, well, we're trying to do something good. We don't know what we're trying to do, but we're trying to do something good and we need your support and we want to help, you know, this neighborhood. So that moment in time, two weeks later, we sat down at the drawing board. I think I still had the book that we wrote down all of our ideas in. And we just wrote one night, we just sat there and we just wrote idea after idea after fundraiser from, from fundraisers to programs to who we could, just anything that came to mind and we wrote it down. And to this day, we open that book back up and just check stuff off like, dang, we did that, we did that. But um, it started from that conversation at dinner and our consultant, who is now our chief financial officer, came on board. Um, he dropped everything he was doing because he believed in us so much. And he taught us, he showed us the ins and outs of everything nonprofit. Um, we created our mission, we created the vision, we created the name, we created the programs, we did the paperwork, 
And six years later, here we are. It started out as an idea and it was only right to connect this idea with the legacy and the work that my grandmother was already doing. It was kind of like, duh, you're <laughs> supposed to do this. It's been a part of your life. This is what you've been doing all of your life. You've been helping people. And I thought I was, it was supposed to be in nursing. My sister thought it was supposed to be in public health, but it was truly supposed to be just to help the community that helped raise us. And that's how we're here today. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome story. Oh. And so, you know, that's how it always starts. It's an idea, yes. right? But it's something that we already love to do. And I'll tell anyone, if you don't have a servant's heart to do this work, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And you had the right person. You told the vision to the right person. Because what I always say throughout this, this podcast is that not everybody's going to get your vision. It's nope. not meant for everybody. He, he saw it before we even saw it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it, it takes that. It takes somebody to believe in you a little more than you might believe in yourself or believe in your idea or to give you that extra push. Because after that dinner table, my sister said, oh, oh, dang, this is real. Like we really could do this. We really could pull this off. This is really a good idea, right? you right. know? Yeah, and, so and the, fact that, and the fact that he's still there and served in that capacity, that's huge. That's yeah. major for you to have a nonprofit consultant serving with you because that's tons <laughs> of information that you necessarily have to pay for, right? He dropped everything and everybody. <laughs> that is awesome. So, so with this book you guys have, you know, what is the experience now for the youth and families and community that you serve? What is it when someone comes to your door, can they expect to receive? Mm. you're definitely going to feel the love you're definitely going to feel safe um and you're going to feel the sense of family and unity you know I always tell parents when they are interested in our program we are very non-traditional after school program you know your child is going to receive everything they're supposed to receive the life skills the character development you know the the career exploration the philanthropic experiences they're going to get all of that but they're also going to get all of those things from a person that's from this community that grew up in this community that lived in this community that went to school in this community and I have and we and everybody that volunteers or um interns with our program everybody has a sense of there something connects them to this work that we do mm -hmm. um you know so everybody that that comes through our doors genuinely cares about the people that we serve um so you know that your child is going to be loved on you know they might get a little bit of tough love but they're going to be loved on you know but we we have their best interests at heart um so typically you know we serve the child and we also serve the family and the parents. So if the parents are, um, you know, dealing with mental health issues or addiction, or they're looking for employment or the lights get ready to get cut off or they need clothes or they need diapers or whatever the situation may be, your child is not just in our after school program. You are gonna receive, you know, the wraparound services that we can actually provide to you. And if we can provide them, we have partners and agencies that we work with that will that we'll refer you to that can, you know, make sure that you have everything that you need. Um, a lot of the children 
that are in our program have been in our program for the last five years. Um, so we have students that are actually starting to age well, they're aging out of the program. So like I said, when we wrote down these ideas, we didn't, the ideas didn't even include an after-school program. It wasn't included. <laughs> so, you know, like the dynamic of everything that we thought we were gonna be doing has shifted over, over the last five years. And that's um, not drastically shifted, but shifted based on the needs of the community. And we are very in tune with what our community needs. If people are saying they need jobs, we're connecting them with people that can give them jobs. We may not necessarily be able to provide those jobs, but we know people that can. Um, so um, I think those are the three things, safety, love, and support. You're gonna get all three of those things when your child or when you walk through our doors um, to receive assistance or uh, engagement from Catherine's Family and Youth Services. Yeah, that, that's good. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, kind of assessing what's needed because we always want to make sure that what we're doing is creating impact, right? Mm -hmm. So that environmental scan that you did at the very top of your, your planning process. And it sounds like you guys do this on a continuous basis. And do you suggest that organizations do this consistent assessment of their community to make sure that they're really delivering services that are needed? Yes, because then you run into the duplication of other organizations doing what you do, you know, because we all should not to say we all shouldn't be doing the same thing. We're all doing similar things, but some are more effective than than others, you know, so if you're constantly you have and I always tell my volunteers and my interns, I always have my ear to the streets. My ear is always to the streets to figure out what's going on, whether I'm sitting at a community association meeting, I'm at a neighborhood association meeting, I'm at one of the school's PTA meetings. So you need to be in tune with what's happening with your target audience. How are you going to serve them if you don't know what happened in the school board meeting last week? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, at homeless services outreach meeting last week, you know, you can't serve with just what you think the, what you think the community needs, because what you think is a total opposite of what they're probably going to tell you. Mm -hmm. You know, we think they need jobs. We, they can't get a job until they get an ID, until they get their social security job card, until they have a resume, or maybe until they even have a GED. You know, so there's a lot of steps to get to the point of making sure that somebody has a job. Um, so I think that doing those constant needs assessments, doing surveys, talking to the residents. When our residents come up to the door, or the clients come up to the door, how's everything going? Everything okay? You know, we have a lot of seniors. We're making sure we're giving them resources. We're asking the kids, how are they doing? Is your mom okay? Is everything going on okay at home? If not, tell your mommy to call me, mm -hmm. you know? And I will always tell, give kids, you know, my car and I say, your mommy okay? And they say, no, she said, okay, tell your mommy to call me. You know, so it, even as, as simple as that, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be a huge survey and a checklist and a right. big thing. You know, you have to communicate and be transparent with the community. And, and I think that's been one of the things that's been very beneficial to us because of even in our after-school program, we ask our kids every week, which instructors didn't you like? Which programs didn't you like? Which, which workshop did you like the best? And I'm going with what was the best because if mm. they don't like the, <laughs> if they didn't like something or it wasn't enjoyable, you know, it's, it's youth voice, it's community voice, all of those have to be in, in, included in the work that you do. 
this work that we do is not about us. It's about those that we serve. Hmm, please say that again. Yeah. It's about the I, people I say serve. that a lot. <laughs> no, it, it really is. is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Once, once you take that vision from, you know, out of your book, out of your head, put it on paper. But once you take it to that next step, that legal step, and you filed your articles of incorporation, it's no longer about you. It's no longer I. It turns into we. To right? we. Yes. yes. So if we can get founders to understand that it's a we mentality, I think we can see better success in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um everybody's going to always have a what's in it for me. But when it comes to this industry, it's about what do we need to do to fulfill the needs of the community, the population that we have voluntarily said that we're going to support, right? right. No one told right. us that we were going to, to do this, right? <laughs> we, yeah. God, God, God was like, I need to that do God this. said it. He <laughs> right. said it, not us. <laughs> right. So we have to be intentional and strategic about what it is that we do. Yes. Now, when it comes to impact, and I love that word, and I, I use it a lot, but that's ultimately what we're trying to do. We're meant to change, you know, lives and behaviors and outcomes. Can you share some stories of impact from either your families or your seniors or your young people that you would say really brings the vision of your organization to life? And, you know, don't get too personal, of course. Mm. Okay. Um. I mean, I'll, I'll just use COVID as, as one example of, of impact. I think COVID, um, it was a gift and a curse for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's been both for us too. But it allowed us to serve people that we typically would have never served. We helped people we probably would have never helped. We met people we would have never met. You know, so it took for for COVID to hit for us to serve. In year year one, year two, and year three, we probably collectively served maybe about, I'll say maybe about 350 people, Mm -hmm. give or take. Last year alone, just just from Christmas and Thanksgiving, we served 1,500 children for for the Christmas holiday and close to about 12 to 1300 people for Thanksgiving. Last year, we only had served about, I think 112 families. So that number grew almost 10 times, Mm -hmm. almost 10 times in the middle of a pandemic. Um, You know, so don't underestimate, you know, the grassroots and the small groups that are out here on the on the ground, you know, doing doing this work. I think that the work that we that we've done leading up to last year allowed us to step into that realm last year. It was our call to action. It was all right. You've been doing this work now. I need you to step up to the plate. Last year allowed us to step up to the plate and to help people all walks of life. We didn't serve the senior community. We didn't serve the older adult community at all. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why it wasn't in our mission and our vision in the beginning, um, you know, but now we have a whole new population of people that we are serving and impacting um, and receiving grant funds for just for these particular programs that weren't in our, our master plan. So I think that alone is is impact, you know, um, changing lives 
we're putting food we're putting food on people's tables that are still waiting on an unemployment check mm-hmm. <laughs> the first the first round or they're still waiting for their card you know and we've been putting food on their tables since this time last year um you know we've been able to assist students with having access to technology for for school we have kids that still don't have laptops that have been distributed from schools and we have tablets that we are making accessible to our students and to not even students that are in our program. Mm -hmm. We allow those, you know, devices to go out to youth in the community if they don't have a computer for school. Right. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's the simple things that a lot that we've probably taken for granted, like food and water and Lysol and paper towels and, you know, all of those things. And just to know that we've been able to bridge that gap for people during this tough time um, has truly been impactful um, to, to see people come up to this door and cry. You know, I didn't know where food was coming from this week. And they were able to leave here with five and six and seven grocery bags of food. And, and, and then when they come back and they tell you that they shared it mm-hmm. with a neighbor or they shared it with a friend because somebody else needed it. So we are changing the mindset of people people think that there aren't still nice people or good agencies or good organizations that you know we don't we don't care what your problem is or what your issue is or what challenges you're having at home if you come up to this door that means you need help and we're not going to drill you we're not going to hound you we're not going to not, it's not going to be like, you know, your first time at church where you come and everybody want to make sure you sign up to become a member. It's right. none of that. You know, it's no judgment. Our door truly is always open. And I value that ab- about our organization. And I think that's our biggest impact is people knowing how genuine our efforts are and knowing that when they leave here, their lives have truly been changed. Whether it was a day, it was or for two days or for three days, but their lives have have been changed. And that's how you know that that you have made an impact in somebody's life. It doesn't have to be a big impact or an ongoing impact as long as you, you know your job is done when a person tells you thank you. And I hear thank you very, very often from our community and from our residents. So I know that the impact is being made in addition to the numbers, but mm-hmm. the numbers don't always measure the real impact that's actually happening on the ground. Yeah, you're right about that. And I think some of us um, may equate success with those big numbers, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a room full of people or multi-million dollar organizations and not to discount any of that, but there's still so much value in the the small things that Mm -hmm. we do. So Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we get clouded as founders of trying to measure what true success looks like. And it's dependent upon the organization and your yes. mission and what you're doing to in the in the community. So what we have to make sure we don't do is do that comparison thing, right? Because this organization here and what you're doing, you can't discount what you're doing because you're not doing exactly what organization right. down the street is doing. Mm-hmm. Just take a look and focus on what you're doing and making sure that you are, you can have these stories, you can share and you can hear people tell you oh my gosh because of your organization I was able to eat mm-hmm. and we take these things for granted, for granted yeah um and you know COVID-19 has created a lot of opportunities and a lot of stress 
for nonprofits mm-hmm. because we're trying to figure out uh, how do we pivot? How do we, how do we make this change? <laughs> how do we deliver when the world literally shut down? But the need, as you as you know, was still there. Yep. So we had to get creative and start doing things that were still mission-minded, mm-hmm. but we responded to what the community needed. Yep. Right. Yep. So even for us at It Takes Two, um, we launched a relief program for single parents. We had never provided this level of support outside of our scholarship program, but mm-hmm. we pay for internet service. We pay for gas and water, and we're trying to assist someone with rent right now. That wasn't in our master plan right. either <laughs> nine years ago, but it's like, how can we make sure our young people who are at home to reduce their stress level because mm-hmm. mommy is stressing because or daddy is stressing because there's no food on the table yeah lights are about to get cut off how can they go to class if there's no internet right yep. so it all affects this whole family unit so that's what we have to take that holistic approach those wraparound services and really take a step back like i said and ask ourselves how are we showing up as an organization so that was one of our answers so I'm glad that you guys made that shift and you guys shifted very well, <laughs> like I said, um, and you're able to report on it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think we we had a choice but to shift. You know, I think God really put us in a position to shift, you know, and it, it, it made us have to get back to the drawing board as as co-founders. You know, do we need to change our mission a, a bit? Do we need to edit our vision a bit? Do we need to add these additional programs? We need to start going after additional grant funds for these new programs that we didn't, you know, um, set out for. So like you said, it was definitely stressful. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> stressful. It, it still is. It's gotten better. I think we have a better hold on it, um, you know, this time around a year later. Um, but Can I you do... believe it's been a year? A year, a year, exactly. Exactly. I think on the 13th was when I started working from home of March, March 13th. I just knew it was going to be gone by the summertime. Oh yeah, I can celebrate my birthday and you know, we're still here. Nope. You're <laughs> spending another birthday in the house. <laughs> right, right. All right. So let's move into some, some, some personal stuff. So yeah, personal. That's good. All right. So six years, what have you learned in your journey as a nonprofit founder over these past six years? I think one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn as a founder and executive director is that I cannot do everything. I cannot do everything. And I tried and it hit me bad. You can't do everything. And, um, we began to explore partnerships and collaboration. And I think because of the way that we kind of jumped into it, we didn't really have a full plan of action. Um, So I think things moved way faster than we intended. So I think give, give yourself credit for what you do. That's the first thing, but also know what you can't do (laughs) and know (laughs) and those things that you can't do and the things that you are not good at. If you have the money to pay somebody to do some of those things, or if you have people on your board that are good at those things or people that are in your circle that are good at, let them do it. Please let them do it. (laughs) Let them do it because 
you know, and I'm still, I'm still learning. That's still something that I'm, I'm releasing power. I, I forgot what, what leadership style is called as a leadership style. I have to think of the name. It'll come to me, but, um, you know, I wanted to control everything because I was the founder, the co-founder and the executive director and the program director. And, you know, yeah, we, we wear all of those titles, right? The van driver, the grant writer, the consultant, you're still a parent, you're still all of these things. And you, and you still gotta be all of those things for your organization is impossible. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. Um, and I think the biggest disadvantage of being a nonprofit is that we don't have the money to pay for all of the things that we need. We just have to get creative and figuring out ways that we can actually realistically do it so that it's feasible for us. Um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned was to relinquish some things. I'm still <laughs> learning. So my sister that's going to be listening, she's going to be like, <laughs> um, rele- relinquishing some things. Um, Work, working with others and collaborating in those partnerships um, and taking self-care time. I didn't do that well at first. I didn't do that well. I was in it, all in it, 80 hours a week in it, probably 90 hours a week in it. And one day my sister just was like, you're doing too much. You are just doing too much. It was as simple as that. You're doing too much. You can't do everything. You need to sit down. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to rest. You need to rest and restore and replenish and pray and meditate and then come back to the table. I didn't do that as often as I should have in the beginning phases. Um, and it was because again, you know, things just took off and we were like, oh, we gotta do this, we gotta write this, we gotta do that, we gotta do this, we gotta do that, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. And you gotta rest and you gotta let people help. And I think um, for new organizations, that's definitely, it's hard to do that because you don't have a big team. You know, you're still trying to figure out your team. And if you can find a good team right up front, this will save you some of what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> It'll save you some of this trouble and some of, and going through some of these challenges that, you know, we go through in those beginning phases because we, um, and for me, my, my master's is in public administration and nonprofit management. So in my head, I said, oh, I, I know all of this. I can do all of this. All right. I learned all of this in school, you know, and then it's I became different. a consultant. And I it's said, oh, different. I can really do all of this. I can do everything. We don't have to pay anybody to do any of this. I can, nope. It's, you still can't do everything. You still cannot do everything. So lean on your team, take time for yourself and take time for yourself, but still be a genuine great leader um, because it's people that are always looking up to you or always watching you and um, you just never know you just never know so be of good um, of good character oh that's a lot that's like five tips that's that's all right (laughs) (laughs) that's like five yeah be of good that's okay we need it we need all of it yeah we need all all of of that you need all of that so that when you get to year six you can actually, one, you can actually make it to year six because we know that a lot of organizations don't necessarily make it past year one or year two. Yeah. So if, if you can do all of those things in the beginning phases, you could possibly make it, you know, 
up here with us a year yeah. six year nine you know <laughs> we're still pushing we're still pushing right i'm trying to get to 50 right that's right that's right and see that's the thing it's i tell my clients all the time this is a marathon not a sprint you know yes um there's so much that we know that needs to be done but i think if we i love to do lists, right just create a to-do list and set a time frame if you miss it uh okay. it's okay move it to the next day yes. right because I got to a point where I was just giving so much that I had nothing left and yeah. I fell into yep. a bout of depression about three years ago. I didn't want to call it what it was, but that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do anything for anybody. Mm. I didn't want to go to work because I still work a full-time job. I'm a consultant. I run It Takes Two. I am a mom, girlfriend, you know, sister, <laughs> aunt, you know, all those things that I just had mm. nothing left. Nothing and, to give. Yeah. And mm. what it what got me out of the funk was the fact that we had young people who we said we were going to support. So when it comes to this nonprofit work, we can't just easily give up and throw our hands up, right? Because I could close the doors to the consulting firm. Like, you know, I would think some people would miss me, but they really wouldn't, right? Right, right. But they, the young people would miss us because they're dependent on us to do what we said that we're going to do. So that's why I say before you go into this thing, Mm. you need to know for sure why you're going into it. And that passion is leading this mission because passion is what's going to get you up every single day. Yes. Don't feel like doing it. Now, again, we're not saying don't take your time because I had to take my, my body forced me to take the time Mm. that I refused to take on my own. Right. Yep. So we have to replenish. We have to self-care and take time off and delegate and train people so that Mm. you can take some time off. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's, I think that's a huge takeaway because we're in this for the long haul. And we don't want to get burned out and you get burned out. And then, like you said, it, it makes you sit down. And when you don't have a choice, but to sit down, that's productivity time that is being mm-hmm. missed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so take, take that time for sure. And like you said, it is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a sprint. I was in it. I was in a four by four, <laughs> trying like to pass, <laughs> trying to pass the baton. Like, all right, go next. Let's go, go, let's go. And mm-mm, God said, sit down somewhere, right? Yeah, sit down somewhere and get back, get back right, because right. you can't pour from an empty glass. That's right. It's so it sounds so cliche-ish, but it's, it's so true. It's so true, and it, it is, is so real. Yeah. It is so real. It is. All right, so. We're making a shift. Okay. So we both lead double lives is what I like to call it. We're nonprofit founders and consultants. So I want to come from a consultant perspective now. Okay. What have you seen in the industry that has made you kind of take a step back either for good or for bad and say, is this really the way this should be done? Mm. What have you seen? I think I've seen things, I've seen too much. <laughs> I don't know if I should have became a consultant <laughs> because I said, it's, it's really a different world. You know, um, it's really a different world because when I look at my own organization and I look at how much, you know, effort and work and dedication and persistence and just everything that we've poured into it and I know that that's what it took for us to be where we are now and then I come in contact with other organizations 
that don't necessarily have that same commitment. Um, it can be a disconnect with serving them as a consultant. Um, and I have um, the client clients. If there is no connection between the work that you're trying to do or the work that you said you were going to do or the work that you want to do, and there's no data to support it. There's no board to right. support it. <laughs> no, there's not even a board there, okay? Um, you know, so even just, just small housekeeping things um, and, a, and a big thing, the financials, that's mm -hmm. been a huge, huge uh, in compliance, um, IRS compliance. Um, those have been two, the, the compliance, the funding and just the dynamic of, um, of these organizations that, um, that I've been in, in contact with is, is, I think we all need to have like a, a huge United States wide nonprofit come to Jesus meeting. I really do. I think that everybody needs certain tools in their tool belt in order to do this work. And if you don't have those tools, the basic tools, it, you can't go forward. Mm -hmm. You can't go forward. You can't do this work or you shouldn't be able to do this work if you don't have these certain tools in your tool, in your tool belt. And I think um, as founders and as executive directors, a lot of times people think that there's no accountability. So, you know, they can kind of just do whatever until there's time for an audit or until it's time, you know, for, to apply for this funding or whatever the case may be. But um, I think because people think there's no accountability, they actually live and allow their organizations to not be accountable for what mm -hmm. they said they were going to do. And then when you bring in a consultant to identify the things that you said you were going to do and you didn't do them, you know, or they weren't effective, you don't, a lot of times is, um, it may be perceived wrong, you know, um, or we may be too tough, you know, on folks when we're telling them these hard truths, um, you know, about things that they could do better or things that they should do better or things that, you know, um, um, yeah, the things that they probably should be doing better. And um, I think for us being on both sides, we know both sides of it. So we're coming from a place that is, um, you know, from a professional place of expertise, you know, and like I always tell people, I'm telling you from my experience, I'm telling you from my master's experience, and I'm telling you from my consultant experience. I'm giving you all of my experience in, in one, and you can take it how you want, you know, or you can take as much of it that you want or that you need. Um, but I think that it, and I think that's another reason why I became the consultant through the standards for excellence, because it's a standard. Mm -hmm. if, if you're not doing what's in this book, it's not right. And it's as simple as that. I think we need a tool belt, a tool, toolbox that says, if you're not doing these things, just general things, it's not right. You know, and I think there needs to be more accountability. And that's where we come in as consultants, as helping these organizations be more transparent, um, helping them get, get the confidence to be transparent, mm -hmm. you know, and help and equipping them with the tools that they need so that their organizations can sustain 
um, and be appealing to, to, to the audience and to our communities, because that's another big thing. Um, you know, a lot of us are doing this work and who are we doing it for? You have no audience of people that are participating in the work that you're doing, you mm -hmm. know, so that's the impact piece too. It comes back to the impact piece. So um, I've seen a lot. I've only been a consultant since I became licensed in November of 2020. Um, so um, I've worked with a few clients and prior to actually becoming licensed, I've helped uh, probably over a hundred organizations and founders and consultant with them, you know, so just hearing about the experiences and hearing about the challenges and things that people are going through, you know, um, from a consultant perspective, people need help. Organizations mm -hmm. need help. They need capacity building help. My organization still needs capacity building help, you know, but just to know that there are organizations that truly can benefit from having a consultant or having somebody, you know, that they can talk to, to brainstorm, to troubleshoot, to, you know, develop programs, to strategically plan. You know, sometimes you just need that person, you know, in, in your circle and in at, and at your fingertips so you can call them and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Right, yeah, so th that was a lot, but, um... There's a lot to unpack there, but I felt every bit of that because that's what I've been experiencing over the, I'm going on seven years in the consulting, um, in the consulting world, and I've seen so much. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think it's two things. I think it's a lack of information and also a lack of funding. I think mm -hmm. people relate information with cost. Mm -hmm. And yes, they should, because mm -hmm. our intellectual property has a cost and you can't get everything for free, right? But mm -hmm. I think there's a lack of education. There's a lack of proactiveness and getting educated before you come into the industry. Mm -hmm. There's tons of information out there for free. And I know the internet is a big world and you don't know what's real and what's not. Definitely. But I think we have to take the time out to attend these workshops, to attend the trainings, to get educated to save money before you launch so that you have professional development funding available because that should be in your budget anyway. Yeah. Everybody should be getting professional development. Yep. Nine years in, I'm still getting professional development as a founder and CEO. I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. um, even as a nonprofit consultant, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself because I'm like, Jamila, you're out here in this world saying you're a consultant and you got to make sure your organization is up to par. Right. So I, I think we put hold ourselves to a higher yeah. standard. Um, but the two go hand in hand. And I think the fact that we can bring the day-to-day -day experience in addition to the academics, because right. the classroom isn't going to teach you what you're learning nope. on the ground. So I'm in yes. debt. I learned some things. <laughs> I'm in student loan debt. But what I really learned is <laughs> <laughs> is what I learned on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I just, so what would you say for the founder who's looking to start? They haven't even started yet. They're thinking about it. COVID-19 pulled at their heart and they're like, they want to give back to the community. What is your advice? I'm going to first say, my first thing is going to be why, why do you even want to do this? That's the first thing I'm going to ask you is why. Because if you don't have a reason for why, we don't need to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Come back when you can tell me why. 
come back when you can tell me what your passion is and what your purpose is for your life. I always, I open up my classes that way. I open up my consultations that way. You can't answer those two questions. We, you don't need to be in this field because it's not about money. So don't come into it thinking you get ready to write a salary off for yourself because you may not ever get one. So don't come into it thinking that. You may, but don't come into it thinking that. Um, but um, be prepared for the unknown. You truly don't know what can happen on this journey that you're getting ready to take yourself on by, you know, becoming a founder of a nonprofit organization. Um, and again, do you have what it takes? Because it's not for the weak. It's not. It's not for the weak. And I think, you know, business owners, you know, we're all in the, in the same category. Entrepreneurs, you know, you can't quit. You can't give up. These, you know, once you sign up for it, you submit these documents, you know, that's it. You've already committed to serving others. And if you are not committed to serving others, don't sign up to do this work. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So I think there's tremendous value in speaking to existing founders. Mm -hmm. You know, and there are people out there who will share. That too, yeah. Yeah. What they've experienced. And not to say that someone else's experience is going to be yours, but it's just the possibility of things that we face. The funding. Yes. Um, the, the team, you need a board and you got to find the right people. That's the most challenging part. Getting leads. Yes. That stuff is easy. But finding the team and really structuring the organization for success, sustainability, mm -hmm. it all starts with that foundation. So your founding board is important. Um, people showing up that you thought were going to show up and they didn't, they didn't help you. Mm -hmm. And I come into the events and people not donating and you're trying to ask yourself why. You're going to go through all those iterations in your first yeah. one to two years. But I encourage you and I need for you to know that that's going to happen. I don't Definitely. sugarcoat anything, but it's what's within you that's going to allow you to keep on going. So that's mm -hmm. what she's talking about, about what you possess, your yeah. toolkit, the passion, because this work is hard. Mm -hmm. It's rewarding. Absolutely. But it's hard. So you got to ask yourself, you know, what type of leader am I? Do I have a business mindset? Because here's the thing. And here's my phrase. Doing good is a business. Yes. It's, you it got to know the business side of things because you don't want anybody knocking at your door, taking you to court, sending you cease and, you know, desist letters because you're not doing <laughs> things the right way. That's right. right. So, you know, get educated and just know that this is what you want to do mm -hmm. and know about the right time. I don't believe there's a perfect yeah. time to launch, but I think there's a right time to launch because you, you got to talk to your family your resources because you're going to be they're going to be sharing you with thousands mm -hmm. of people and they have to be okay with that right so there's a lot of gut checking and heart checking yes that needs to be done before you decide to come into this industry because it's going to hold you accountable one way or the other mm -hmm. oh yeah that's good that's good yeah one that's way or good. the other <laughs> that's good <laughs> yeah so it's, it's been days where I'm just like okay god this is what you wanted me to do that's what he said. I'm going to continue to show up. Because <laughs> sometimes that's all we're able to do yeah. is, is, just, is just show up, you know? And like you said, if, you, if you, you jump into it, you know, you're ready to show up. You got your team. You got your plan. 
you got your passion, you got your purpose, and you got your prayer corner ready, you can be good to go. Mm -hmm. But things are still going to go wrong. But I believe you got to be ready for that. Yeah, yeah. I believe there's always a lesson in the fall. So don't don't focus on the fact that you fail. What were you supposed to learn in that moment? That's what I've Mm -hmm. learned over these past nine years. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. what was I supposed to learn in this moment? And how can I either prevent it or how can we capitalize off of it? Yeah, how we grow from it. So it's this thing is a lot about mindset as well. Right. But I think mm-hmm. if you can get the people educated, give them this information, they could be better equipped to go ahead and respond and be obedient to that. Yes, because neither I nor Valerie can tell you what not to do if God told you to do it. We're not here to dissuade right. you, but we're here to help you fulfill what he has told you to do and instructed you to do That's just right. based upon our experiences. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because he led me here. <laughs> He led me here. I was working in the school system and we're, I'm a full-blown entrepreneur and, and, and founder and executive director and everything else. So yeah, he, he is going to lead you throughout, you know, or whatever higher power you believe in will lead you throughout this journey in the nonprofit sector. Like we said, it's not for the weak, it's for the strong. The mindset has to shift and be ready to shift and be ready to roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So we got a, just a couple more minutes here, but I knew this would be good. I may need to bring you back, but um, <laughs> <laughs> please share with us how we, the community can support your organization. Do you have any uh, upcoming events or fundraisers? What's your website, social media? Sure. So you guys can find us on Instagram at CFYS underscore INC. You can also find us on Facebook at Catherine's Family and Youth Services. And you can also visit our website at www.catherinesfamilyandyouthservices.org. We are currently seeking volunteers for our spring food giveaway on March 27th. Um, we need volunteers from 11 a.m. until about 4 p.m. And we're gonna be distributing um, fresh foods, vegetables, household toiletry items that are very scarce in our community at this time, like Lysol and Clorox wipes and paper towels and all that good stuff. Um, We'll be distributing those items to the community on March 27th. Um, And we also are collecting um, books for at books by African-American authors or that feature children with brown and black faces for our um, virtual after-school program for our reading students. So we have an Amazon wish list that is also um, accessible through our Instagram page. And you can also visit our um, food pantry uh, wish list that is also connected to Amazon. We are collecting um, or trying to stockpile our non-perishables for our emergency meal site. So if you would like to donate or support in any way, those are two ways or well, three ways that you can support. Um, if you would like to make a donation, we are always accepting donations for our organization. One of our biggest needs right now is securing the rest of the funds for our 15 passenger van that we so desperately need um, so that we can get around a little bit easier in the community as far as deliveries are concerned. 
and to pick up donations that we get from various vendors and warehouses and all that stuff. So um, please stay connected with me personally. My Facebook is Valerie Matthews. Um, you can find me on the CFYS page if you would like to connect with me there. Um, and I think that's about all we have coming up right now. Oh, besides our anniversary, which is next week, um, we also have a raffle that is happening, a Pamper Me raffle, where we are raffling off um, items that are featured from Black-owned women businesses. We have a pedicure, a foot detox, and a V-steam, and a hairstyling um, from some amazing Black women business owners in Baltimore, and the raffle is $10, and the proceeds support our operating, um, operating support fun for Catherine's family and youth services. So and we need those unrestricted look, funds. Yes, we need the unrestricted funds. <laughs> <laughs> so please support, um, consider consider purchasing a raffle or buying an item from my wish list or signing up to volunteer or stopping by to drop off a donation or say hello. We would love to see you. We're located at 2406 Loyola Northway, Baltimore, Maryland 21215. All right, well, there you have it. Uh, so many ways to support, even just sharing on social media. That is an awesome way yes. to support us and it doesn't cost you anything. So Valerie, thank you so much for spending your evening with me, with us. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, my hat's off to you. And just, I pray that you just continue, you and your organization continue to thrive in this season, despite what it may look like. He's still in control and we're able to bless someone every single day because of the work that we do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for the work that you do. I'm so grateful we finally had this opportunity. Thank you. You're so welcome. Well, that's our show. Thanks for joining me tonight. I hope that you have been inspired, educated, and motivated to fulfill your mission. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me at jamilakempconsulting.com. Make sure you subscribe to us on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Leave us an awesome rating if you wouldn't mind and a comment. Until next time, continue to do good. <laughs>